MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Hour number two is underway. Point Spread Saturday coming to you from the VSEN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino Femi Abebefe at Mall Shot. Getting you set for rivalry week in college football. 15 minutes, our picks, seven of them between the two of us. You want to stick around for that. Amal, he's got a hot hand in college football. See who he's on. My hand, a little cooler after last week, but you can always bounce back in rivalry week. It means more. So we will see how we do later on today once the games get underway. But first, let's get in now. Market check. We did it with the college football playoff last segment. Now we start our two. Market check. Heisman watch. Amal. I think we're down to two guys now. It's It's been the Heisman race that's, I think it's just more so guys falling off versus other guys pulling ahead. But pretty impressive showing from your guy, Buckeyes quarterback C.J. Stroud, last week with the numbers he put up in a big-time spot against Michigan State, another top-10 team out there in Columbus. Now he has emerged as the minus 200 favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Bryce Young shortly after him, plus 150, and after that, 25 to 1 is the next closest guy with Matt Corral and Kenneth Walker. So we're down to the two quarterbacks, Ohio State and Alabama, just like the Heisman voters drew it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it really <laughs> is. It's, you know, the only thing we're missing is an Oklahoma quarterback from the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb uh, Williams, anyone? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, we can take everybody else off the list there Corral, Walker, Pickett, and Ritter, but 
Yeah, good year, guys. Not, um, not, not this year. I'm a little bit surprised, though, that C.J. Stroud is the favorite right now. If you look at statistically, he didn't play a game against Akron. So for me, the stats don't really matter as much. He does have two interceptions in the critical spot against Nebraska. If he doesn't have those two, I think it's a, he's a runaway winner probably because he would only be going back to game number three where he's throwing a pick. It's really going to come down to, I think for Bryce Young, he's got to play extremely well today. Because the Auburn defense, we saw them get carved up by Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put, scored 40 straight points against Auburn. So there's an opportunity there for Bryce Young to have a monster day. 38 uh, touchdowns, three INT so far this year. But the counter I would give is that uh, C.J. Stroud had his best game and arguably one of the best games in college football all year by any player against Bernie Madoff in Michigan State. That that fraud that they were perpetrating. <laughs> Bernie Madoff. Oh, you don't think Michigan State's not a fraud? By the way, it's amazing when you think about the top four highest-paid coaches in college football, Davo Sweeney, uh, Nick Saban, and Jimbo Fisher, and the fourth one being um, Mel Tucker, who, by the way, never won a bowl game. The other guys have combined to win 10 national titles. What have you done for me lately for, for Sparty, I guess? And what he had done for them was a pretty good season up until they met, went into a buzzsaw out there in Columbus. Uh, it, it, but it wasn't even that. Look, the reality is you go back through the Michigan State game. I mean, the Michigan game. It, no, so I want to stop you there because in fairness to Michigan State, how much better can you do? Like, honestly, like how much better can you do than – and I get like Mel Tucker's probably not the, the, the headline-making head coach there, and I think some of his in-game stuff is a little conservative for my taste, but how much better can you feasibly do in East Lansing? And, like, what, what's the alternative than to extend Mel Tucker? I mean, if he walks, the fan base is going to riot. Now, whether it's justified or not, that's to be seen later on, but I, I don't know how much better you can do than having I, Mel Tucker as your head coach. I think you ask an excellent question. However, I would counter with this. This is a guy that went five and seven at Colorado. Okay, he goes two and five last year at Michigan State. Based on the fact that you beat Rutgers, Maryland, a fluke come from behind win where you got two touchdowns executed, two two point conversions. If Kenneth Walker doesn't arrive from Wake Forest, I, I said before the game against Ohio State, if I were Kenneth Walker, I'd go to Mel Tucker and say, "Here's the deal, dude. Sign this damn contract, or I'm not playing today, and I want five million dollars wired to me immediately Monday morning." I'm going to tell you right now, or I'm going to tell you, or I'm going to come out with some uh, absurd claims against you come <laughs> Monday. That's the bottom line, dude. He does not get this contract if not for Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And by the way, but he, but you have to give him credit. He was the one that brought in Kenneth Walker when other schools didn't want to do it. Like he was in the transfer portal for everybody to come and say, "Hey, Kenneth Walker, come to campus." And what was he was like the number ninety-seven recruit or whatever in terms of the transfer portal or whatever it was. Like he had the foresight to bring him in, so you got to give him credit there. Well, well, hold on a second. What is that rivals rating or somebody's rating like that? <laughs> Let me tell you something. One, one of those one of those clowns didn't have Travion Henderson, the best freshman running back in college football, coming into the season, the best running back out of high school. Is is he even close? <laughs> Trayvon Henderson is right now the second best running back in college football. Yeah, no, and, and the and the best one is not even healthy. So Trayvon Henderson is the best healthy running back in college football. And by the way, here's what's scary: he's got another two years still. Um, but but to me, this contract is going to be one where you're sitting there looking at. I, I love your question. Who do you get that's better? Fair enough. Right now, there might not be anybody on the horizon. But you go find yourself a young Nick Saban. You go find yourself somebody like George Perlis, who stayed at Michigan State for a long time. You know what, Michigan State has had Tom Izzo there for 20 plus years, 25 years. Yeah, that's right. right. I mean, you can't if you find a guy who's an in-state guy who's a Sparty guy who wants to be there, they're not going to leave. Mark D'Antonio was there for a long time. He had some mm-hmm. other opportunities. He stuck around. All I'm saying is that 
This guy is being paid on beating up on Rutgers, Maryland. I mean, yeah. average pedestrian teams. Miami, who's looking to fire their coach. This is going to be a decision that haunts Michigan State. You know, you know. I'll tell you one thing. Ohio State is better than any program in college football at hiring coaches. If you look at every coach that they've had since Woody Hayes in 1951's all had a winning record. Everybody's had a winning record. Look, Earl Bruce got fired. His worst record was 9-3. and three. John Cooper, he couldn't beat Michigan. was 4-6-1 and one or something like that. I forgot the exact record. But the bottom line was they hired coaches that had winning marks. Who's LSU wants Mel Tucker? Trust me, they would have been looking for the buyout 18 months into his contract. You would have had every lawyer, you would have had every lawyer in Louisiana combing the contract. Now, you, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to find a hitman in Michigan, in, in the state of Michigan, to take out Mel Tucker eventually. This is going to go down as one of the worst contracts ever. I mean, this this is along the lines of BJ Upton when the Braves signed him for 575, and you're like, God, this is god awful. You knew the minute they did it. The first thing I would have done was investigated Frank Wren and said. How much of a kickback are you getting? Because nobody is dumb enough to give Melvin Upton $75 million. Who's dumb enough to get – you know what, Femi? I had this argument with Michael Lombardi. The mm-hmm. reason why Sparty gave this money, and I get it, they had the two big donors. Um, Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert and yep. the other guy from National Mortgage. It's great that they want to give this money. If you're going to spend this much money, why don't you just go $130 million and convince Nick Saban to come back to East Lansing, even if he's 70? I'd still rather have Nick Saban. <laughs> if you're going to pay that much money, what's an extra $35 million? The bottom line is he's an average coach who's got a career-losing record, who's never won a bowl game, hasn't won anything, didn't win his division, hasn't won anything. I mean, this guy's the Peter Principle at its finest, getting to your highest level of incompetency. I mean, this is perfectly an example of that. And here's the bottom line. I always say the reason why these ADs pay, because it's not their money. Yep. You ask anybody that owns a business, are you going to overpay for somebody like this? The reason why LeBron and Kobe and Jordan made the money they make, because there aren't five people in the world that can do what they do. They're the best. Is Mel Tucker the best? If we went through college football, right now in the Big Ten, do you think he's even a top three coach? No. There I, you I, go. I, 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 no, I, End I, of story. I, I, I agree with the sentiment, what you're saying. There. I just, in today's college football landscape, with how many jobs that are open that are a little bit more attractive than Michigan State, it's it's tough for that program that's seen as the quote-unquote little brother to get that coach who's ascending and then also keep them there. Because the landscape of Mark D'Antonio, it's a different landscape Fair than enough. it is today. Fair enough. It's a little bit more difficult to keep that guy without that guy starting to peek around at these other LSU type of jobs that eventually come open, it seems, every couple of years. You brought up a good co- a couple of points, but I'd counter with this. Number one, Florida doesn't have the facilities. We had Tommy Biden on the show this week, and he said you got to have facilities. That's the number one thing. Yeah. Number two, LSU's got too many chefs in the kitchen. Uh, the other thing is that Texas, uh, uh, Nick Saban told Steve Sarkeesian not to take the job. But you know what? It's $34 million. You can't turn it down. No, it's, uh, for Sark, you have to take You it. have to take the job. But, and if you look at USC, it'll be interesting to see who they decide to hire. The bottom line is LSU is going to offer, or they may already have, they're going to offer Lincoln Riley eight years, $100 million. They want him to turn the job down. Okay? If he says no, he says no. But what I love what Oklahoma said is we're not going to match it. We're not going to yeah. match the offer. At some point in time, you got to sit there and say, what's our return? Okay, Oklahoma's getting to the college football playoff and getting waxed. What's the AD going to do for Oklahoma? We got to the playoff. Now we're going to go bet hundred grand on LSU. Maybe we can recoup <laughs> some of the money we're overpaying this coach. The bottom line is, unless the guy's name is Nick Saban, uh, to me right now in college football, there's only four coaches you can't let walk. I think every one of the other 126 guys you can let walk. And that would be Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, and Ryan Day. Those are the guys that are always in the playoff. Those are the guys that always uh, that we're always talking about here. And you know, it's, Kirby's got it rolling at Georgia there with a team that was likely to win their national title, or I mean, it's at least the best chance for them to win the national title. Georgia has a propensity to maybe not 
meet expectations in those big spots. We've gotten off the rails here. The Heisman is what we we started talking well, about. The Heisman. We started talking about the Heisman. Yeah, I, 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 I want to know how ESPN is going to put on a show for one hour <laughs> talking about two guys, and we have, we'll have a determination potentially in Atlanta if, if well, Young plays well, well against Georgia, yeah, he wins. The question I wanted to ask you is that is like if you were to enter this market like someone who might have tickets that they have burned from earlier this season, and, and you want to get some Olave. <laughs> Exactly. Olave, if you want to get some of that money back, how would you attack? Would you wait for championship Saturday? It's, all right, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and match up whatever the odds are with the money lines. Is that how you kind of attack this Heisman market now that we're getting towards the end of this season? Yeah, I, I think, you know, to me, I wouldn't bet it either way. You'd have to take the dog. To me, this is one of those bets where you take the underdog. Excuse me. I think Stroud has played well enough. To be the guy, you're going to find out quickly today if he plays well or if they're relying on the running game. Then I think Bryce Young emerges the favorite. For for Bryce Young, it's going to come down his performance against this uh, Georgia defense. If he struggles, mm-hmm. you know the one negative that I have on Bryce Young is in that game in College Station, they yep. were trailing. He had an opportunity. I mean, he he looked like he was throwing three knuckleballs out there. Yeah, that's the one that it doesn't really look good for him. Do we have that graphic of the Heisman odds movement there? We had it up earlier in the segment here just to show folks how this has shifted all throughout the season here. We're about to pull it up. CJ Shroud was 16-1 to preseason to win the Heisman, now minus 200. Of course, Bryce Young was 10-1, to now plus 150. Matt Corral was the guy that midseason people were yeah. touting their 25-1 to tickets. That obviously has fallen off, but he's had a heck of a season there for Ole Miss. But the highest handle, of course, Kenneth Walker, the biggest liability, and I think the books can go to sleep at night and rest well knowing that last week was the end of the Kenneth Walker-Heisman uh, Cinderella run there for Michigan State. There's only been three Heisman Trophy running back winners in the last 20 years. Also, Matt Corral's team went 10-2, so they had an opportunity. But I'm surprised looking back on this that uh, an Ohio State and Alabama quarterback would be at these odds. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they pencil them in every single year. Whoever the quarterback is, nameless, faceless widget. <laughs> Just put him in as the Heisman favorite. On the other side, we'll try to make you as much money as Mel Tucker made with his Michigan State extension. <laughs> Picks coming up. Point spread Saturday rolling along. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker now available on vsin.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to vsin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vsin.com slash NFL. Point spread Saturday rolling along here from the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah getting you set for rivalry week in college football. Mark Zinno, our SEC correspondent, joining us on the other side in about 15 minutes. We'll talk all things SEC, including the Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. We haven't talked about that game much. I'm excited to get Mark's thoughts on that. But first, it's time, folks. For our picks. Seven of them between the two of us here. I have a couple, meaning, do the math, Amal has five. Four sides and a total. Amal, how about you let the folks know what you're on in rivalry week here in college football? Yeah, I talked about a few of these games a little bit earlier, but uh, let's start with Clemson against South Carolina. Uh, game sitting at, uh, tw- uh, I think, 11 now. I got it at 12 and a half, so not uh, the ideal number. But I like this Clemson defense. Family. They have su- uh, suffocated a lot of their opponents, and I think they'll do the same here. I was really impressed that they answered the bell in that game against Wake Forest. There's still a huge talent gap between those two teams. I think there's a huge discrepancy here between these two teams as well. I know Shane Beamer's team has played better down the stretch, but I think this is where the rubber meets the road for South Carolina, and I think they're in a little bit of trouble here. And then uh, I like Louisville in the, in the uh, Kentucky here. 
Louisville has quietly played very well. Malik Cunningham's done a nice job. If he chooses to come back, by the way, I love when they go, if so-and-so comes back, I'm like, where are they going? Are they going to work for UPS? <laughs> where are they going? I mean, maybe, to, maybe the professional ranks. Who knows? Professional what? I mean, technically, if you want you to leave school, you're going to be a professional. It's just not made, not necessarily in football. It's like that NCAA ad. Majority of our student athletes will be going pro in something other than football <laughs> or athletics, but in this case. But look, if Cunningham were to come back next year, they'd have all 11 offensive starters back potentially depending on if guys don't leave the portal. I love the way this team has been playing. Kentucky has been solid, but I, I think Louisville's defense has gotten a little bit better and you have an anemic at times Kentucky offense. So I like Louisville at home to win that game. And then Georgia against Georgia Tech. This is a game where I think the Bulldogs absolutely destroy Georgia Tech here. Georgia has won five of their 11 games by greater than 35 points. That's, That's what they're laying in this matchup here against the Ramblin' Wreck. Last year, they won this game, I think, like 51-3 to or somewhere around there. They destroyed them. I think Georgia just comes out and smokes them. They want to finish the season in fine form. Here's the question, family. This is the most important question in this game. Can Georgia Tech score a touchdown? That's a, I mean, what, what are you making that? The yes on that as well, like plus 105? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly right. I mean, that's the big question mark. Can they score a touchdown? This Georgia team has been just sensational defensively. Um, you know, I have not seen a ton of Georgia games this year. Part of it is they've been – all the games have been non-competitive. Mm -hmm. And really the only matchup that you looked at outside of the first week of the season, but there were some hiccups there, and you saw how good the Clemson defense was as well. Remember, there was no offensive touchdowns in that game, so yep. we'll see. And then Florida State catching three against the, the Gators down in the swamp. Um, it, to me, it's more like a marsh right now. It's not even a swamp anymore. <laughs> and so I, I like Florida State here plus the three. Jordan Travis playing excellent football. You know, Florida State right now, if you look in the state of Florida, you've got – Everywhere has got a new coach within the last 36 months. And you've got turmoil all over the big five programs within that state right now. Florida State probably with the least amount of turmoil. Mike Norvell really seems to be riding this ship. He took over an absolutely shipwrecked team from Willie Taggart. Miami, I said Manny Diaz was a bad hire. We'll see where they go with him. The rumor is Lane Train's going to be down in South Florida. Let's see if they decide to go that direction because they don't have an athletic director right now. Uh, Florida also in the job market looking for a coach. We know South Florida has been struggling immensely, so lots of possibilities there. Florida State, this is an important game, Femi, really for kind of to take control of the state with an opportunity to get to a bowl game, get a little bit more exposure, get that recruiting going. They already have one of the top three recruits in the nation coming in next year. Mm -hmm. Try to build upon that, so I, I like Florida State there. And then Oklahoma, Oklahoma State under 49.5. That's the current number. I got a 51.5, but again, I said take this one up until 48. I don't think we're going to see unnecessary risk in this game. You know both these defenses are good. You don't want to put your off, excuse me, your team in a bad situation. I think it's important, and I think both teams will be fairly conservative. Yeah, you have to think that Lincoln Riley has just been drilling it into Caleb Williams' head of like, hey, if the play is not there, don't try to force anything. It's it's interesting. Caleb Williams plays kind of a lot like Spencer Rattler when, when you when you watch those guys play there. Like early on, he was running, and he's a better athlete than Spencer Rattler. But some of the same erratic mistakes you still see them from Caleb Williams. Now that might just be because he doesn't have as much experience starting. But what we all hated Spencer Rattler for, we've seen some of the similar stuff from Caleb Williams. I think you bring up an excellent point. You know, the mistakes that they make are the same ones. It's just like self-inflicted every time of like. Oh, keep it alive, and let me throw to the other team's safety over the middle. I mean, it's unbelievable in terms of some of the some of the errors you see from some of these guys. It's just continuously. And you know the worst part is, if you look at it, and, and I could be wrong on this. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head when I think of receivers. 
Uh, Jadon Hazelwood, uh, Marvin Mims. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaving somebody else off of there in terms of the trio there. They have an incredible receiver room in Norman. Yeah. I mean, they got great tailbacks. The offensive line play hasn't been as good, but to me, the singular deficiency for OU has been the quarterback play. If yep. it can be better, they got a great chance. Yeah, it's really made Lincoln Riley look like no longer the genius that everybody thought of being the next NFL head coach. Jerry Jones talking about him being a Cowboys head coach, and now here he is. Maybe he's in Baton Rouge next year this time. Who knows? We'll see what happens there with OU. So those are Amal's plays. Clemson minus 12.5, Louisville minus 3, Georgia laying five touchdowns at Georgia Tech. Florida State plus three, and then the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State under 49 and a half. All right, I got two plays, both of them out of the Big Ten. I'm a Big Ten expert. No, I'm not. I'm not an expert, but uh, I watch a lot of Big Ten football because it's early enough for us to consume it, and I have a game in the game here with the big game between Michigan and Ohio State, and I'm taking the points with Michigan. I'm not super thrilled about it just based on what I've seen over the last 15 years, especially the last eight years with the Buckeyes winning and dominating this rivalry. And I don't want to necessarily say that this is the year, but I feel like the Wolverines can keep this game close. Just I think that there's so much in terms of the atmosphere that you'll see out there in the big house. C.J. Stroud is still a first-year quarterback, and I get he's been awesome. But in the, on the road games, you've seen that he's in the competitive environments, a little shaky. We saw it against Nebraska, got a little rattled at times. Nebraska, that game was there for the taking. They could have possibly upset the Buckeyes in Lincoln. And now I think Ohio State will be obviously a little bit more dialed in. Ryan Day hates Jim Harbaugh. So I can imagine what the week of practice was like in Columbus this week uh, with them preparing for this Michigan team. But Michigan plus eight, the two pass rushers, you mentioned it, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, those guys are screaming off the edge. And I think Michigan is just flat out way more talented and a better team than Michigan State. Jim Harbaugh right now, not as much pressure. We all expect Ohio State, insert them into Indianapolis. They'll take on Wisconsin, go to the college football playoff. Locally, there's a little bit of pressure, but nationally, nobody's really looking at this team. Nobody's been talking about Michigan the entire season, 10-1, and one, Power 5 program, a lot of tradition, and yet they've been overlooked. I think this is the game where Michigan keeps it close. I think Ohio State wins the game, but I think they win it by three or four. This is a game that Michigan stays with the number. They cover the eight points. But anything over a touchdown I like. If it's seven and a half, you can find there in the market. I would bet that as well. But right now I'm seeing sevens mainly populating as we get closer to kickoff in less than three hours here. My next pick and my other only one, Penn State minus one and a half against Michigan State. That one has climbed, I believe, to Penn State minus four in some spots here. So obviously the Nittany Lions, the hot side in the betting market. And this is flat out a fade of Michigan State. I don't think the Spartans are very good. This is the same Spartans team that we saw only five-point favorites against Indiana earlier this season. I think the betting market has been telling us all year long the Spartans are frauds. We saw them close, I believe, two and a half it might have been against Purdue at Purdue, and Purdue wins that game outright by double digits. Like this team, it's a nice story. It's been fun. Kenneth Walker III, one of the best running backs in college football. I really like him as a player. He has a really good story coming in from Wake Forest. But we talked about Mel Tucker ad nauseum in the last segment. This is the Spartans team that's just not good enough. And Penn State, despite their struggles, Sean Clifford should be back in this game. They are just flat out the more talented team. James Franklin, I think, gets it done over Mel Tucker's Michigan State Spartans. So Penn State, anything under a field goal right now at four, it's a pass for me if it's Penn State having to lay four. But anything under a field goal, it's Nittany Lions and Nittany Lions at all. And I think also Penn State, or rather Michigan State, has some issues with a flu bug rolling around town uh, and some injuries. So they might be without six to eight starters. I think that's why you see the massive line movement from one and a half to the current number of four. But even anything under a field goal, if you can find it, probably not anymore. 
it's all Nittany Lions for me in that game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's, I think, a big part of it. You see uh, Kenneth Walker questionable in this one, as well as Jaden Reed, uh, Jalen Naylor as well, the two wide receivers there. So it could be huge in terms of how this one plays out. And I think that's why you're seeing such a large move in favor of uh, Penn State. Yeah, uh, right now, Michigan-Ohio State game, DraftKings still has Ohio State 7.5. So if you like the Wolverines, you obviously know where to go. WinBet as well has it 7.5 um, as some other off-the-grid locations there. But, Amal, was there a game that you eyed that did not make your list? Yeah, one was uh, Southern Miss and Florida International. Uh, Florida International can't score. I mean, this team has not scored basically. They haven't hit double digits in their last four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southern Miss, not, not necessarily a great offensive team by any stretch, but they had a good win on the road against Louisiana Tech, who just let go of uh, Skip Holtz as well as their head coach. But this FIU team, think about this. you got a two-win team that's a 13-point favorite against a, uh, this Florida international team, and simply because of how poorly a team like FIU coming in on a 10-game losing streak. Only in America. On the other side, Mark Zeno, our recent SEC correspondent, joins us here on Point Spread Saturday. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. The VSEN Cyber Monday offer is here right now. When you sign up for our $99 midseason football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VSEN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy VSEN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry, this is a limited time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vcin.com slash subscribe. It is the Point Spread Saturday coming to you from the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Femi Abebefe and Mal Shahs, we're hoping to give out some gifts for you guys. We give out our plays on the other segment. I'm on Michigan plus eight, Penn State minus one and a half. Amal is on Clemson at minus 12 and a half, Louisville minus three, Georgia minus 35, and then Florida State plus three, and the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State under 49 and a half. Now, Mark Zeno, our recent SEC correspondent, we are efforting to get him on the phone to talk all things, the conference that just means more, including the Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama, where the tied 20 and a half point favorites with a total of 57. We touched on this game a little bit earlier, Amal, but we haven't gone too in-depth with this Alabama-Auburn game. I'm really curious to hear what Mark has to say about this game here. But just any curious thoughts for the folks who are just tuning in now as we get closer to kickoff between this game between the Tide and the Tigers. Yeah, you know, I love Tank Bigsby uh, at, at tailback. and Let's see how effective he can be on the ground. Alabama's mm-hmm. defense, I don't think, is going to be quite as exposed by T.J. Finley in this one. So that'll be the big concern from a uh, Alabama perspective, but they should be okay. Well, we have Mark Zeno now on the phone, our VEASAN correspondent, joining us as he always does here at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. And Mark, we were just discussing Alabama-Auburn, the Iron Bowl, in my opinion, the best rivalry in all of college football. The Tide right now, 20.5 point favorites with a total of 57. How do you see this one going down at Jordan-Hare later on this afternoon, Mark? You know, guys, I don't have a play on this one just because there's too many variables for me to account in this game that really I can't eliminate. I mean, let's lay this out plainly. Alabama really should be a lot better against the number than what they are. They've played some teams that you really didn't expect them to have to be in games that they were. You know, go back to the Florida game, the Tennessee game, the LSU game. It's those games I can't get out of my mind when laying three touchdowns again with Alabama in this spot. It seems that they've always been stuck around that three-touchdown number with these big SEC games, and they can't seem to cover. They can't seem to separate as much. The real problem is is that Auburn, again, is starting a backup quarterback in T.J. Finley, 
and you just don't know what the offense is going to be. If this was Bo Nix, I'd, I'd take the 21 points and run to the ticket window as quick as I could, but I just don't know what this offense is going to be able to do. Again, they only scored 17 points last week. I guess the South Carolina team, while very motivated they were, they're not exactly a great defensive team, and I would have expected a better offensive output, uh, and certainly if it was Bo Nix playing that game, I think the results are much different. So I just don't know what I can get from the Auburn offense in this game to keep it close. But yet we've seen Alabama multiple times this year struggle with inferior opponents in the SEC. Now, Nick Saban will tell you everybody in the SEC is tough. They don't want to win. He's right. But when it comes to covering that number, I'm having a different conversation than Nick Saban is at this point in time. So I just don't feel comfortable laying the 21 or the 20, whatever number you're getting it at with Alabama at this point. But I can't trust Auburn's offense. No play on this game for me, but I will sit back and watch it. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on this one. It's a tough number to cover. I think if you like Bama, take them in the first half. They generally tend to play better outside of the game against the Razorbacks, in which they had a bit of a hiccup there. Mark, I want to go to the game down in the bayou between Texas A&M and LSU. A&M with an opportunity to kind of close out a very good season, even though they'd be nine and three, probably feel like they should be ten and one, or even eleven and one, or ten and two, eleven and one, contending for a college football playoff spot. This team's had a terrific year. They're laying six and a half on the road in this game, and the total is around 47. Any particular leans one way or the other in this matchup? Now down to 45 and a half here. I love A&M, and I'll lay the points. I mean, look, this is an issue of motivation more than anything, which typically doesn't really one of the factors you put into a college game because this is a little bit different than the NFL. But LSU, when you have a five-win team who's playing their final game to try to get bowl eligible, you know, there's a lot of motivation for that team to do it. But is that really the case with LSU at this point in time? Do they really want to prolong this agony anymore with that Orgeron on the sidelines? No, I don't think so at all. I don't think there's any desire for them to get to six wins. A&M, conversely, on the other end, like you said, a nine-win season, possibly ten wins with a bowl win. You know, that's a big improvement for Jimbo Fisher, all trending in the right direction. And for those guys, you know, whether Jimbo Fisher rumors of him leaving or not are true, but for that entire school, for all those players, they want to keep him there. They want to show him that there's something to stay at A&M for. I know that the, the, that LSU has covered the last five in a row in this series. In fact, in fact I even think it's longer than that. They, they've had a great run. But these are completely different teams in completely different situations. And like you said, Amal, you know, for all intents and purposes, the 9-3 that they are probably could be at least one or two wins better when you look at what happened at the beginning of the year, the Arkansas game, the Mississippi State game, when Zach Calzada was still getting his feet underneath them a little bit. I don't necessarily trust this A&M offense, but I don't know if there's anything about LSU that screams motivation to go out and win this game a lot more. I think a and a more talented team, and certainly they're better coached at this point in time. So I'll lay the six. I, I have no reservations about doing it. I actually love A&M today. Well, we're speaking with Mark Zeno, our VEASAN SEC correspondent here on Point Spread Saturday. Mark, I know you told our producer that you, you thought it was an interesting teaser week. We'll get to that here in just a bit in college football. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. But first, Georgia and Georgia Tech, the Bulldogs laying 35 in this game. Amal has bet the full game. He likes Georgia laying the lumber with the five touchdowns, total 54 and a half. How would you attack this market? Well, it's just what Amal said. There's only one way for me to play this game, and that's Georgia in the first half, minus 21. It's a bet I already made with my own money. I just, here's the thing guys with Kirby smart, you know, as much as he is a great coach, he's not going to run it up on his in-state neighbor where he has to recruit against some of these kids. He's just not going to make Jeff Collins and Georgia tech look bad. So he's going to absolutely gear down in the second half, mostly because of injuries, right? He doesn't want anybody getting hurt in a game that doesn't matter in the second half uh, when he's got the SEC championship game coming up the following week. So I fully expect this to gear down in the second half. Georgia will sprint out to a three or four touchdown lead. And then from that standpoint, you know, they'll, they'll take their foot off the gas pedal and not run it up on 
Georgia Tech because it's just not Kirby's style. He has a certain amount of respect for his opponents, especially guys that he has to recruit against. So he's not gonna he's not gonna do that to them. I just don't see it's courageous to lay that many points in this spot. If they're gonna cover, they're gonna have to get you know eighty percent of the way uh, in the first half because they, they may only score ten points in the second half of this game. Uh, so if they don't score thirty five in the first half, I'd have a lot of reservations about uh, the back door being wide open. So I'm only betting this in the first half. Georgia lay the points. Femi, you you were going to ask Mark something that he had in reference to the teasers. Go go ahead with your question there. Yeah, well, it's because college football, Mark, we typically don't talk about teasers. That's more of something for the NFL. But I know you told our producer Matt Neverett here that you thought it was could be an interesting teaser week in college football. Why is that? Well, it's it's all based off of Ohio State, right? I mean, de- depending on where you're shopping right now, I've seen it at seven and a half. Even some places have seven. I know it was eight and a half earlier in the week as as the line continues to move. I would suggest make a move on it now while it's seven and a half or seven. But you get that down to a point and a half, and do you really, you know, how much are you really going to believe that Jim Harbaugh is actually going to win the game? Covering the seven and a half, different conversation. So you think Ohio State wins the game, so that's one leg. Then you just got to find a dance partner. For me, it's going to be A and M, and I'll take it down to a half because I just I don't see how LSU comes out and wins this game. But there are other favorable options out there. Even South Carolina, if you wanted to take them, I like South Carolina getting eleven and a half. But if you tease them up to seventeen and a half, you clear the key number of seventeen. And, and for a Clemson team that is yet to cover a double-digit spread this year, uh, pushing me to 17.5 from 11.5 seems very, very favorable in that spot, especially with South Carolina being home. If you don't want to tee somebody down on the road like A&M, you do it with a home team like that and a South Carolina team that's still motivated to go out and play and wants to win a game in this series. So, you know, I, I think there are other favorable options out there. Uh, even Michigan State today getting a point at home can tease them up to seven. Uh, worst case scenario, you can get a push out of it. I mean, there's just a lot of options that you don't usually look at and don't usually see with teasers today. But it's all really based off Ohio State because I believe they're going to win the game. I think Jim Harbaugh can cover it, but I, be, I believe Ohio State probably wins this game by three or four. And so from that standpoint, uh, I can tease Ohio State down and find another dance partner. Mark, uh, I want to quickly ask you about the Gators. They're playing in a game which could make them bowl eligible, but I contend that they're not going to want to go through 15 additional practices, assuming Florida accepts the bowl invitation. I think Florida State goes on the road here and wins this game, and I think a team that's played better than many realize is Florida State since October 1st. Got off to that 0-4 start. How do you see this matchup against the Gators team that looks completely disengaged since the end of the first half against Georgia? Well, if you told me you were going to go to the the book and bet on Florida right now, I'd tackle you and prevent you from actually making that bet. <laughs> like literally, like there's just there's no reason to lay money with Florida. There's I can't sit here and honestly tell you there is a good valid reason, even though it's less than a field goal, to actually put money on Florida right now. I know sometimes teams respond with different coaches and everything else. That, it, that all of that is out the window right now with Florida. They are in a complete state of disarray. Yes, I would. Uh, take the points of Florida State, you know, I, I might try to wait and see if maybe some of the dumb public gets in <laughs> and pushes this thing to three to make me feel a little bit better about it. But still, I, I just there's no confidence there with Florida right now. Like, why do you believe all of a sudden, especially with Emory Jones, quarterback for Florida, being questionable and possibly not playing, what's the reason to believe Florida has any sort of, you know, again, beyond motivation, any sort of, you know, capability to win this game outright, the way they played the last couple of weeks. It's just there may be points scored, if you feel like taking the over, uh, I, I mean, you could probably talk me into that, at least logically. I could, I could see the, the, the way the numbers work out there. But I just I, there's just no reason at this point in time. It's a complete stay away from me. I have no desire to bet on a Florida team that has nothing to play for and a Florida State team that, you know, for all intents and purposes, isn't exactly all that good. 
He is Mark Zeno, our VEASAN SEC correspondent. Thank you once again for joining us here on Rivalry Week, Mark. Best of luck to you today. And, of course, better believe we'll be calling you next week with Georgia-Bama on deck. We've been waiting all year for it, Mark. Have a good one. All you right. too, guys. Thanks. On you the too. other side, our final thoughts on this Rivalry Week slate in college football. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Get an extra helping of football with Madden Holiday Madness. Play free in three fantasy football contests and compete all Thanksgiving weekend for a share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash EA Madden now to get in on the action. EA Sports, it's in the game. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's the final segment of Point Spread Saturday as we are almost two hours away from kickoff of the V game. Ohio State and Michigan, but I want to start in another game in the Big Ten that is likely going to decide, not likely, it will decide who goes to Indianapolis out of the Big Ten West. Wisconsin taking on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Badgers right now, seven-point favorites with a total of 39, just like any other Wisconsin game could be, a total of 39 them all. Would you be interested in possibly laying a touchdown in such a low total game with Paul Bunyan's X up for grabs? Uh, you know, I think Wisconsin's a tough team to lay points with. Defensively, they're going to be terrific. Total is so low at 39, so I'd be a little bit scared of that one. But I think it's going to come down to which team can make the fewest mistakes from a turnover standpoint, especially in a game like this. Look, in a game like uh, the Wake, uh, excuse me, Western Kentucky Marshall, total 74. You're not as concerned on that one, but. In a matchup like this, can be very crucial. Should be a cold day in Minneapolis. Should be a lot of fun in this yeah. one. Can Tanner Morgan and company be effective uh, on the ground? If they can, they've got a chance. If not, they're going to be in trouble because that Wisconsin run defense, number one in the country against the run. Speaking of a chance, people think that Notre Dame might have a chance to make the college football playoff. And if you'd have told me that two months ago, I'd have called you crazy. But here we are in November, Notre Dame just on the outside of the Final Four. Well, they are taking on Stanford later tonight in Palo Alto, the Fighting Irish. 20 and a half point favorites with a total of 53. This has gone up from the opener of 16 and a half. So it's been all fighting Irish money. And when you look at Stanford's record, you understand why. What do you think, whether it be the side or total in this quote unquote rivalry game? They play it every year, but it doesn't feel like a rivalry. No, it really doesn't right now. This Stanford team is in trouble. You know, I, I always criticize Kirk Ferentz and, uh, uh, David Shaw for running these antique offenses, and until Stanford, <laughs> vintage. Uh, uh, vintage is a better word choice. I, I didn't have a good one. You, thank you. Um, when you look at Stanford, uh, this team's got to get into the 21st century. It's the, the most beautiful campus in the country. Oh, yeah, really? uh, incredible academic institution. I know they've had some good success, but I, I think that's what makes Nick Saban such a great coach, right? The first three national titles at Alabama were with defense. The next three were based on offense, and he's adjusted to what is necessary. And I think that's you know, something Stanford needs to do. They need to adjust and get into the 21st century. In terms of this matchup, I don't want to lay the points on the road here. You might see Stanford be competitive in a game like this, but I just don't think they score enough. Uh, what's the total on this one if you have it, Femi? Yeah, I believe it was in the 50s. I scrolled past it here real quick. Let me bring up 53 is the total. Yeah, this is one where I would I would look at it and, and potentially look at the under here. I, I think this is a game that could be a lower-scoring game. A game that all Oklahoma fans will have their eyes on, taking place in Waco, Texas, where they suffered their only loss of the season. The Baylor Bears taking on Texas Tech. If Baylor wins, that puts all the pressure on the Sooners in Bedlam later on this evening. The Bears 14-point favorites, total 51.5. Texas Tech at this point is just trying to play spoiler against the rivals Baylor Bears. 
Yeah, this is a game where I think Texas Tech's going to have a hard time. Baylor's got a lot to play for, as you alluded to. So I think you're going to see a very focused team. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, uh, they were a complete no-show. That offense was pathetic against Oklahoma State. Now, give those guys a lot of credit in terms of what they were able to do, but still. Uh, I, I just don't know if we're necessarily going to see something uh, out of this team offensively that really is impressive. So uh, I, I just can't back Texas Tech in this one. Cincinnati and Houston will play one of the more fascinating conference title games next weekend. But the Cougars today kicking off at 9 o'clock Pacific time, taking on the Yukon Huskies. Cougars Huskies. We're doing it again as we did it last night with the, the Cougars, unfortunately, being the Washington Huskies. But that's neither here nor there. Houston, 32.5 point favorites. 54.5 is the total in this game. Connecticut, I mean, they're, they're just not a good football team at all. They really aren't. And when you when you look at it, Houston has been a team that has gone so far under the radar. When you talk about teams that have had a great season coming in at 10-1, and one, nobody's talked about the job that this team has been able to do, Femi. And um, I don't want to lay 32-and-a-half here. If you want to take this game, take a look at the first half. UConn has really struggled in the first half of games. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to score enough points in this one. I do think this game can get over the 54-and-a-half, though, because I think Houston gets into the 40s. Yeah, and it, it really comes down to can Connecticut contribute seven to fourteen points. Remember early in the season when I got burned by this? I, I, I the Purdue Connecticut over. I think it was fifty something or so, and Purdue scores forty nine. Game goes under. So be, be careful with this UConn team. Just be tread, tread carefully if you're betting me over in that game because they might not contribute a damn thing as that happened to me earlier this season. You mentioned the first half line. Houston nineteen and a half in the first half. The first half total is at thirty. And a half. Now, an interesting game out west, Pac-12 after dark, BYU taking on USC. Kalani Sataki, come to Seattle already, all right? Uh, the Cougars, seven-point favorites, total 64-and-a-half. What do you make of this game here as the BYU Cougars taking on a USC team that's fighting to become bowl eligible, but they might also be one of those teams that doesn't want those 15 practices and wants to go home for the holidays? No, no, no. The, uh, USC, uh, I, can't, I can't believe these guys got to play two games after the UCLA debacle. Yeah. I mean, this team's looking at a 4-8 and eight season. They have completely checked out. If you didn't get up for UCLA... You're not getting up for BYU Thanksgiving weekend. There was nobody at the Coliseum last week. Which is sad. It's, well, I mean, it's L.A. you got a lot of other options. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this team is absolutely dusted in this game. They're in serious trouble here. I think BYU covers this one. Yeah, it's just sad because USC, obviously, in the 2000s, with Pete Carroll had it humming there. It was such a, it was the place to be, Snoop Dogg on the sidelines, all that stuff. And now look at them now. It's just the Coliseum empty. Early in the season, we saw it. Now it's pretty much nobody's there. All right, let's go back to the top of the board, the key games that we're looking at here. Of course, Ohio State, Michigan, the big game. I'm on Michigan plus eight. Amal has no play, but I'm sure as an Ohio State alum, he will be watching that game. Bated breath, all eyes on it, absolutely focused, edge of his seat, taking place in Ann Arbor. Buckeye, seven-point favorites, total 64.5. Any final thoughts in the game kicking off in about a couple hours? Yeah, you know, you made the point earlier you didn't feel like there was a lot of pressure on Harbaugh. I actually disagree. I think there's a lot of pressure on Harbaugh here. They've got a great you team. You nationally, too. Well, look. You I know, get it locally. But, but I mean, just saying from a Michigan standpoint, you, you know, the, they've lost eight in a row against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You can erase all of that with one win today. I mean, a lot of these demons go away if you win this game and you win next week. It changes the whole dynamic for this program. If they lose this football game, you know, they've got a big-time recruit, a cornerback coming in from Gross Point, Michigan, Will Johnson. I, I would sit there and say, why am I coming to a program that can't beat their biggest rival when I could just go a couple hours downstate and play for a team that just continuously puts DBs into the NFL? Yeah. I mean, they're not developing the players. Let's see how they do. 
Um, I think we're going to get a feel for this one early on in terms of how this game plays. I think if Michigan goes down and scores or takes a lead, I think they're going to be there all day with a great chance to win. If Ohio State scores in the first possession and Michigan struggles getting a stop on two consecutive drives for the Buckeyes in the first quarter and a half, I think this game could turn into a blowout. I don't believe the points are going to matter. I think Michigan wins the game, or I think the Buckeyes win by double digits. Yeah, this is a game the last seven of them have gone over the total. Wow. Mark Zinno, our recent SEC correspondent, likes the under. Brave man is Mark Zinno as he's taking the under in this game between Ohio State and Michigan. Like I said, kickoff 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 Eastern. Bedlam, the game that Amal is most excited about. Oklahoma taking on Oklahoma State. The Cowboys, four and a half point favorites. Total of 49 and a half. Likely that Oklahoma will absolutely need this game to get to the Big 12 title game next week. Oklahoma State is already in, but they can really ruin Oklahoma's season and their college football playoff chances and their conference title chances with a win today in Stillwater. Yeah, this is a huge game. I think this is going to be the marquee game of the day. I know everyone's going to point to the Ohio State-Michigan game, but from a competitive standpoint, I think this is going to be it. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to see Oklahoma in this spot. The Oklahoma State being a favorite at T. Boone Pickens. One thing I don't like about this game, though, it seems like the camera wells are almost at about a 15-degree angle when you're trying to watch this game. It's always yeah. pretty tough, but <laughs> should be a competitive game. Femi, I like the under here. I think this is going to be one of those games you look at what this Oklahoma State team's been able to do defensively over the last five to six games, they have just been thoroughly dominant, uh, just absolutely destroying teams at the line of scrimmage in terms of sacks and tackles for losses. So we'll see what happens here in this one. Yeah, you're on the under in this game, yeah. under 49 and a half. Both defenses, I've been, I was impressed with Oklahoma's defense last week against Iowa State. Brock Purdy obviously not lighting the world on fire at quarterback, but still, I thought they put pretty well there against that Iowa State Cyclones offense, especially that final drive. They're getting some pressure there. The Timber Bowl, as we're calling it now, Amal, in the Willamette Valley, Oregon State taking on Oregon. Seen a little bit of line movement in this game. Westgate had six and a half in favor of the Ducks. Now it's seven. Caesars, the only place around town with six and a half. What do you think about this one? Final thoughts here, about 30 seconds. Yeah, I like uh, the Beavers here. Uh, B.J. Baylor, the most underrated running back in college football. I think they'll be able to move the ball on the ground. I don't think they win. I think it's a Ducks win probably by three or four points here, though. Yeah, that's going to be a close one there. Of course, if Oregon State wins, I think that means Washington State goes to the Pac-12 title game. And as a Husky fan, that absolutely makes me sick. Uh, but we'll see how that unfolds there in the Timber Bowl, as we're calling it now. So to recap our picks, Amal, you're on Clemson minus 12 and a half, Louisville minus three, Georgia laying five touchdowns, Florida State plus three, and the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma under 49 and a half. And I'm on Michigan plus eight. Penn State minus one and a half as we wrap up Point Spread Saturday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Best of luck to you guys as you hopefully cash some tickets. Thank you to Mark Zitto, our VEASAN SEC correspondent, as always joining us in his typical spot at 6.30 Pacific time. Coming up next, the Lombardi line. Patrick Maher, Michael Lombardi leads you right up to kickoff of Rivalry Week here in college football. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.